a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. We're into the final hour of today's episode of this program here on KSL News Radio. My thanks to you for listening. And if I could uh, ask you for something, would you do me a favor? Uh, as you're going about your day today and you come across uh, your family members, your, your cousins, your friends, your coworkers, would you tell them about this program? We've been on the air for for about a year now, uh, but in terms of uh, radio shows, we're still kind of new. We're the new kids on the block, and we are ever looking to to grow the audience. I think we uh, have a good conversation, you and I, each day here, and if we could invite some of our friends to participate, uh, that'd be all the better. Uh, Let me tell you, this morning, this morning uh, at about 11.30, Governor Gary Herbert took to the microphone to give his weekly update of the COVID-19 numbers. He was joined again by state epidemiologist Dr. Angela Dunn. She gave out today's uh, case numbers. You can hear those here. The age distribution of new cases is now spreading across all adult age groups. It's no longer just a surge in our 15 to 24-year-olds. And this is evidenced by our increasing hospitalizations and deaths. That surge she describes, which has been spread across all age groups now, equated to an increase of 1,501 positive cases from yesterday. Uh, That leaves us today with a seven-day rolling average for positive tests at uh, 1,114. And if there is any bright spot, if there is any bright spot in the numbers we receive today, it is that the rolling seven-day average for percent of positive lab tests is 13.7%. I've been tracking that number myself, and it has not it has not moved uh, more than two or three-tenths of a percentage over the past week and a half. That's positive. The rest of the numbers, though, are discouraging, in particular the number of those hospitalized. 237 is the current hospitalization uh, r- number for those suffering from COVID-19. And joining the governor and the epidemiologist of the state this morning during the press conference was Dr. Emily Spivak. She's an associate professor of medicine with the Division of Infectious Diseases at the University of Utah. Now, why was she there and what did she communicate? Well, uh, she spoke in one of the more emotional uh, tones that I have heard over the microphone at these press conferences that have become, uh, you know, routine. We have been seeing these now for months and months, uh, and I saw some emotions today uh, that I had not before seen. Here for yourself is Dr. Uh, Emily Spivak. University of Utah, day in and day out, our hospital is getting full. Our ICU is getting full. Our ICU is 95% full this morning. Our healthcare workers are tired. They're suffering, and they don't want to see another person die alone of a preventable infection. In addition, if we continue to ignore science and medical recommendations, we will not be able to offer the best quality care that our community deserves and expects. When hospital capacity is challenged, it is not merely a question of bodies and beds, 
but it is also a question of those medical professionals who are positioned to care for the bodies in those beds. And as those beds fill, uh, the stress on the workers is only increased. You may have someone in your life who is tasked with caring for those suffering from the COVID virus, uh, maybe even an ICU. You know the hard work that they do. You know the stress that they carry with them. You know the weight of the responsibility they bear uh, for keeping uh, Utahns and Americans alive. All right. It's no small thing. And so keeping a close, close eye on capacity and doing everything we can uh, to lower the number of those hospitalized. And, of course, all the other categories is paramount. But uh, Dr. Spivak speaking only for uh, the University of Utah. To get a broader understanding of where things stand, I've invited Greg Bell back to the program, president and CEO of the Utah Hospital Association. Mr. Bell, thank you for your time. Welcome back to the program. Thank you, Lee. Good to talk to you. Um, You do have a great program. Thank you. That's kind of you to say. Uh, will you give us a state of affairs statewide? How does capacity look at the hospitals uh, from from uh, border to border? Well, uh, we really track the hospitals uh, that we call our referral centers. So, you know, it's the larger hospitals like St. Mark's, University of Utah, IMED, um, then Saint, the St. George and Ogden and, you know, the other major regional facilities. And as we track those, uh, we're seeing, as the the university indicated today, they're 95% full. 95%. You know, that changes day to day. Um, Intermountain is uh, is feeling very strained. They um, they have several hospitals, of course, throughout the state, but they're just, they're feeling pushed. Um Dr. Mark Breesacker there always says, you know, beds don't care for people. People care for people. And so you've got these highly trained crews that are working 12-hour shifts and have been doing so for seven months. And they're just they're exhausted. And they're, I would say, a little bit discouraged given public attitudes about how we approach this terrible disease. So uh, they're pushed. Steward and... Um, Mountain Star uh, have a little more capacity available, although they don't have, of course, the same number of beds. But uh, so, yeah, overall, we're just uh, we're edging into alarm territory. What does alarm territory look like? Well, um, it means that at some point, uh, you know, you have to decide what case comes in, what case goes to an ICU, what case, you know, you, what do you do with your crews? How do you platoon your nurses? Uh, do you have to bring in extra shift nurses? You know, do you bring in some um, people who don't haven't worked in this area? Uh, do you start shifting cases from system to system? You know, hopefully we can take measures that aren't extreme and, and everybody gets the right kind of care. But uh, when you're pushing you know, one of the main hospitals, the University of Utah, to 95 percent, then clearly uh, another suddenly another 20, 25 patients who are ill uh, creates problems in the system. 
Earlier in the pandemic, we here in Utah, I remember that there were stories of uh, hospital beds being uh, set up uh, for contingent use. Uh, I don't think we ever got to this point, but there were convention centers uh, uh, in the state that which made themselves available for uh, for to, to serve as surplus uh, hospital beds. Are we anywhere near a circumstance where we might have to start exploring options like that again? Well, the state did do a very good job in being farsighted and uh, identifying other facilities, set them up, equip them. The problem is that you got to have a hospital run them, right? So a hospital has to extend its license to that area, for instance, at the Expo Center in Sandy. And secondly, you have to find crews. You have to find uh, skilled work teams, doctors, uh, nurses, pulmonary techs to staff those. And uh, we're pushed as is in our own facilities, Lee. So, yeah, we have excess capacity. We have some skilled nursing facilities that could handle, you know, a higher acuity. Um, so the state's done a good job in maximizing, maximizing our resources. Each hospital has tried to create some extra beds and uh, for med surge and ICU, you know, so we can yeah. maximize what those doctors and nurses can handle. But, I mean, you can only water the gravy so far. Right. And I, I just I just have to say, I mean, this maybe isn't a news way to approach things, but um, I'm I'm disappointed in some Utahns and in the attitude people are taking to this. This is a pandemic. It's an illness. It's killing people. And while our outcomes here are good and while we're generally healthy, uh, we cannot flout uh, this disease. It it is hurting us. It's killing people. It's it's wounding people. It's got a uh, long life for some. You know these um, long haulers, as they call them, with right. continuing co- with coronary, neurological, pulmonary impairments, um, mental impairments. I mean, we gotta we gotta wake up and take this seriously. Greg Bell, President and CEO of the Utah Hospital Association. Uh, I have many more questions for you, sir, but our time has expired, and I have to say goodbye. Thank you, though, for what you have shared with us, uh, and best of luck as you uh, continue to monitor uh, hospitalization rates and occupancy. Uh, Let's hope that the plea from the governor and the plea from you yourself here uh, does not fall on deaf ears, and we do kind of step up our efforts to mitigate the spread of this nasty virus. Thanks again, sir. Thank you. All righty. We're going to take a quick break here. Uh, When we return, uh, we are going to continue looking at the the COVID virus and the impact it is having, uh, not necessarily on the hospital system, but how about this, on our children? Not health-wise, but their minds. I have a little baby daughter myself. It terrifies me how she may be learning new habits and attitudes growing up in the COVID era. How about your kids? Let's talk about it next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind 
only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com. Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.